0: Chapter Twenty-One of Homecraft Rugs: Their Historical Background, Romance of Stitchery, and Method of Making by Lydia Labaran Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Sacking Mats and String Rugs. Sacking mats derive their name from the fabric from which they are made. They would, in America, be called burlap mats today had they originated in this era. Since they were developed in England, when the material was called by the name of the purpose to which it was put, the mats went under the name of bagging or sacking mats. It is quite likely that they often were called by the more specific name of coffee-bagging mats, for the sacks in which coffee was imported into England were so termed interchangeably with sacking. It is also true that coffee bags were made of a coarse, heavy linen, in some instances so tightly woven as to be practically impervious to water, and so durable that they withstood the many handlings incident to shipping, and the hard usage, with no apparent detriment. It has been my good fortune to get some of these coffee bean bags, and a more durable rug material it would be difficult indeed to find. Occasionally to this day such bags can be bought from retail grocers who buy coffee beans direct from importers and so get them in the sacks. The linen is badly soiled, of course, but by soaking and scrubbing and thoroughly rinsing it regains its natural color. A bag is so large that when ripped along the seams at one side and across one end, it is of sufficient size to make a seamless mat. Sacking mats were made in England in the early part of the 19th century, possibly earlier, but the fact that Brussels carpet was sometimes recommended as the lining for such mats certainly is illuminating. Carpets were estimated in those years as marvels of the weaver's skill. And treasured floor coverings in the home. To use a bit of carpet to line so insignificant a rug as a sacking mat indicates that the carpet must have been so badly worn as to be worthless in itself as a floor covering. Since Brussels carpets are noted for their durability, a mat for which a worn strip formed the lining could not have been fashioned when the century was very young. It is scarcely to be supposed, however, that Brussels carpet formed the first lining for sacking mats, nor that it was the most usual one, though the best. Consequently, this reference to the carpet can be used only as a clue to the approximate time when sacking mats were in vogue as thrifty floor coverings. Though used sporadically in rug craft previous to this time, it is interesting to note that from that day to this sacking bagging hessian or burlap by whichever name it is called has been favored for rug-making it is not usually employed however for anything except foundations to be concealed by stitchery of one sort or another it is the regulation hooked rug foundation fabric and has been from the early days even though the finest hooked rugs made at first were on homespun linen there are many instances also in which burlap was employed as a foundation for embroidery it lends itself well in respect to its weave for the threads run straight and are coarse enough for the embroidery of counted stitches such as cross-stitch, tent-stitch, gobelin-stitch, and all canvas stitches. Sacking was also used as the foundation for string-work rugs in England. These rugs are often confused with hooked rugs, because of the similarity of the surfaces of the two, which, it must be confessed, are practically identical. Hence the mistake is not strange. It is in the construction of the two types of rugs that the difference exists. Both the hooked rug and the string work rug are made of loops of yarn forming a pile coming through a sacking foundation. But in the former, the loops are pulled through, while in the latter they are pushed through. The string work process of punching the yarn through the sacking is that of the punch-hooked rug work done with any one of several kinds of mechanical punch hooks. But again, a difference is found. In string work, the process is laborious, for after punching the four-inch strands of yarn through the interstices of the sacking, pushed apart with a large stiletto, the ends are all tied to prevent them from pulling out. In the punch-hook work, a continuous strand of coarse yarn is threaded into the mechanical stiletto-like needle. It is then punched through the sacking and withdrawn, leaving a loop of yarn to be held by the pressure of the strands of the textile, which are continually forced more closely together as the work progresses. It is possible with string work of this kind to make exquisite knot-tied rugs but they would be as arduous to construct as oriental rugs and would lack the durability of the latter, in which the knots come on the right side of the surface and have more resistance. The balance in favor of making string work rugs is too small for them to be considered as anything but interesting 19th century thrift rugs, but they are essentially craft floor coverings. The punch-hooked rug has speed and construction to recommend it, but it also has a certain definite mechanical quality that is at variance with true handicraft. While the old English stringwork mats obviously preceded hooked rugs and have definite similarities, they were but forerunners rather than incipient hooked rugs. In the evolution of stitchery to suit rug craft, there is a much closer and more subtle transition to be found. In foundations, sacking remains the approved one. Apart from the sacking rugs developed in what is known as string work described, there is another style that is equally true to type and which rug makers of today can use to good advantage. This is the embroidered sacking mat which is, in reality, but another form of the Frisian, or cross-stitch, rug, for this stitch was the one originally employed on embroidered sacking mats. Since burlap today is made in an excellent grade, with needlecraft as one of its intended purposes, the foundations of sacking mats are more worthy of the stitchery than at any previous time. The burlap can be had in numerous tones, thus making it possible to introduce color in the foundation of the rug as well as the embroidery. Designs should be formal. Sacking mats embroidered in Assisi work take on a classic character that raises them above the ordinary level. Should the rugs be ornamented with applique, they enter the category of patchwork floor coverings. The one essential, whatever the ornamentation, is that the rug's surface is invariably burlap, for it is this that keeps the rugs true to type. Sacking mats, however developed, require lining. This has already been indicated. The quaint old mats were bordered with a fringe made by raveling out the sacking purposely left outside the embroidery strands of the yarn pulled through the sacking formed a gay upper layer of fringe. Another rug finish that lends itself well to these mats is a border of scalloped cloth in two layers. The colors should be those found in the rug surface and embroidery, while the buttonhole stitchery about each scallop should be in a like medium to that used on the rug. It may be black, if not one of the dark-toned yarns. When artistry is put into the pattern, the stitchery, and the color scheme of sacking rugs, they deserve a place among modern floor coverings that are quickly and easily made at small cost. A close rival of the sacking mat, both from the viewpoint of its modest medium and its unpretentious name, is the string rug. It also originated in England. Both the names sacking and string mats remained on the other side of the water, even when rugs of the same sort or exact counterparts were included in American rug craft. One type of string rug has already been alluded to. Its right to the name springs from another definition of string than the one so familiar to us now namely, cord or cotton twine. It comes from the meaning of a slender strip and a connected series. No actual cord was used in the construction of the rug, but the entire surface was made of slender strips, either oddments of yarn or raveled jute, put together in a connected series, the sacking being the medium of connecting them successively. The tools were a stiletto and a crochet hook to push and pull the strands through the foundation the yarn and the ravelings were mere strings odds and ends as thriftily used as rags in rug making the difference in the construction of string mats and hooked rugs has already been sufficiently dwelt upon there seems to have been little attention given to artistry in the string rugs though they could so easily have been excellent in design. In hooked rag rugs, patterns were featured. The second type of string rugs derives its name from the fact that actual string was used in connection with odds and ends or strings of yarn, worsted or any fleecy wool. These rugs come under the present classification of knitted rugs, fully described in the chapter on that subject. In string rugs, the knitting medium is invariably soft string. The number of stitches cast on is directed to be 36, though for modern purposes this number does not have to be adhered to. The pile portion forming the surface of the rug was made from the yarn tied together before using and wound into a ball. It is apparent that the design must have been, always, that known to us as hit or miss. Every alternate row of knitting was composed of loop pile made by winding the yarn three times over the forefinger of the left hand and knitting a coil into each stitch. The length of the rug depended on the length of the knitted strips and its width on the number of strips. There was a chance lost for artistry in these rugs that can be captured in modernized string rugs. But the economy of the string foundation cannot be improved. End of chapter 21.